Welcome back for some more Behind the Pouch, supported by biggerlife.com, where we bring you 30 minutes of honest, unscripted chat with a range of different ostomists from around the world with a story to tell. You're joined today by myself, Louise, as always. And me, Shona. A warm welcome to our listeners, wherever you happen to be joining us from today. We've got an Irish special for today's episode as we welcome Michaela Hayes from iRadio as our guest to the pod. Hi, ladies. Hello there. Hi. So, Michaela is a radio presenter of iWork, a mid-morning weekday show on iRadio, which broadcasts to over 370,000 listeners in Ireland every day. So she only went under, gone her ostomy surgery in March 2020. So she's still adjusting to life with Paloma the stoma. So Michaela has been an IBD and Crohn's advocate and been open in sharing her IBD journey and experiences on her Twitter page, as well as sprinkling some humour into our lives and documenting what life has been like post-surgery in COVID-19 lockdown, living with her gran. So we welcome Michaela Hayes to Behind the Pouch. Hi there, Michaela. Hi, thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Michaela, you're very, very welcome. It's lovely to have you with us. So just to start off then, could you take us back to the beginning of your IBD journey and and how things came about for you? Um, Yeah, so mine goes back quite a while. So I'm 31 now and I started having to go into hospital when I was about 18 because I kept getting really bad pains and they kept thinking it was appendicitis and opening me up to remove my appendix. Um, so then we kind of, it took a long time for me to get diagnosed with an IBD. So we went through a phase where they thought it was endometriosis. Then they just kind of diagnosed me with IBS. And it was, it took almost, I think, 10 years for wow. me to get a, a diagnosis, many surgeries, many, 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 many tests and uh, many hospital appointments and quite a bit of time thinking that I was imagining the symptom because they couldn't find any answers like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when were you actually diagnosed? I was only diagnosed five years ago. Five years ago, my goodness, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and how was life then? You know, what what was life like just at your diagnosis stage? Um, it was It was bizarre because they went... I was told, I'd say, about three or four months before I got the diagnosis that it wasn't Crohn's. They couldn't find anything. And then they went in again. And I'll never forget about half an hour before I went for a scope because I was releasing hospital, the doctor came up to me and he was like, I think you just have a lazy bowel. And then I went for a scope and they were like, "Mm, no, you absolutely have Crohn's disease. So I was honestly really happy to get a diagnosis because it didn't last so long. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, whenever, you know, whenever life is like that and you don't have any answers, it it is reassuring to, to know that, you know, Sometimes you know. Sometimes you, you sort of worry that things are in your own head, don't you? Yeah, you know, you know, so I thought I was imagining them. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was five years ago. And what sort of treatment happened then as a result of that? Um, so I went straight on to Humira, the the uh, injection, the TNF blocker. Now I'd been on uh, tablets for Crohn's. My GP had put me on them two years previously because he was like, "You have Crohn's disease. I know you do." Um, so thankfully he had me on that, so it wasn't too bad. So I went straight on to Humira then and was injecting that for five years. And then it just, it was a bit of a roller coaster, kind of because it took so long to diagnose me. It was very much like straight in, straight onto the TNF blocker. And then I was pretty much, 
about a year, a year and a half in, the talks came up then about doing um, the surgery to give me the stoma. So it's, yeah. How did you feel about that? I, prospect? I was kind of fine because I, it's, it's bizarre because obviously, you know, a lot of people um, with Crohn's, most people with Crohn's, you know, they go to the toilet a lot. Um, however, for me, it was the case that I didn't. So I could go up to six weeks without going, which is like, I cannot describe how painful it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a number of different options that they were going to do. I remember one day I went in for surgery and the surgeon changed his mind about the surgery while I was on the table. And wow. that was horrendous. I was so upset that day and he just kind of got annoyed at me. Um, so with the wow. time talks, came up I was like if it is going to make my life easier and better I am so so happy to have it done and then when I got it done I was I was just ready and I was so ready for it so yeah it's 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 been positive thankfully Mm -hmm, with that and did you do much research beforehand Uh, anybody (laughs) with a stoma no, no, no. I kind of went in very naively. I don't I I don't know where I was at. I think I was in a bit of a a bad headspace and I just I just wanted it done. But I just I don't know why I didn't do research. I was meant to get it in December, but obviously there was a number of kind of crises in the hospital and stuff. So that was postponed and I just kind of kept thinking about the surgery itself. I didn't really think about you know, life with with this with the stomach, but I'm pretty adaptable. So I kind of was like, look, it'll be grand. I'll I'll figure it out on the fly anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah. And and was it you know was it your decision to have the stoma? Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was, was elective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Good. yeah. Thank God. Which is it is because I know a lot of people. Um, when it's it's you know not their decision, they can find it quite difficult. But thankfully, you know, it was my decision, and I was just I was more than ready to get it done. More than ready. Yes, I know what you mean with that. So you had all of this going on whilst um, I just think it's really interesting. You were on first dates on the the TV show. So all of this was sort of going on. I appreciate it was a little bit before. I think it was about 2018 you were on that. But you were dealing with with all of this IBD and and then doing wonderful things like meeting new people on, on shows on TV. How was that? Yeah, it was good. It was actually really, really nice. Um, I spoke about my crowns quite a lot in the episode um, mm. because I just kind of thought, you know, I'm in the unique position where I have a platform and, you know, I think people need to talk about this stuff more. So I chatted about it a lot on the date and Charlie, who was my date at the time, was so lovely and supportive about it. And uh, the response that I got when it aired, you know, with people chatting about it was was fab because it's just it's something I have but it doesn't define me and I kind of just want people to realize that like you know we we all go to the toilet like <laughs> yeah. we feel ashamed and like talking about how we do it or whatever so you know it was lovely I, I would recommend first dates with <laughs> or without IBD issues on the <laughs> <laughs> very good very good so yeah, so then you, um, so we, we've already spoken about the, the stoma surgery then, so that, that was elective um, yes. for you. So so tell us about the surgery then. It was a bit of, um, 
I, I just seem things seem to happen with me at very bizarre times and um, so as I said I was meant to get it in December and it got postponed but I was still on the emergency cancellation list so I got a phone call at half four on Thursday having not heard anything at all saying hi we have a cancellation for tomorrow can you come in for half seven in the morning I was like okay um so we just left work I was like all right see you later and gone for a couple of months um and came home packed some stuff to do me like three weeks in grands and one of the lads brought me down to Kildare because I live in the Midlands and then yeah I went in the next morning I was really calm everything was fine and then when I was asleep coronavirus happened well <laughs> already happening but I woke up and they were like oh yeah, the hospital's on lockdown, nobody can come in, nobody can do anything. Um, so that was was tough. I cried for, I'm going to say, quite a few hours because I was like, I'm not going to get to see my granny. Yeah. Oh. oh God, oh my God, it's all just so exciting and, and it's strange, you know, even the whole <laughs> elective, but yet again, it was quite emergency. Yeah. It had planned, but it wasn't really as planned as one would like. It sounds like yeah. it was an experience and it's you know and waking up like that in COVID time <laughs> with a stoma I mean there's emotions of all kinds as you mentioned your granny who we have to speak about it sounds like you have the most amazing relationship you know so you woke up that you know that first day with your stoma how did you feel other than being a little bit scared you know in relation to your relationship with Paloma who you've called your stoma tell us a bit about how you actually felt that day I felt fine Um, it's it was bizarre because um, obviously the COVID times had happened the, the, the ward that I was in all six of us had the exact same surgery so wow. we were all we all got got like stomas of some sort whether they were permanent or reverse or whatever so we all had that and mm -hmm. we all had them kind of within a day or two of each other and because nobody was allowed in we became like this little family and Fantastic. you know when you know one of our stomas started working we were like yay <laughs> or when we were able to do our first change of the bag ourselves we were like oh congratulations well Fantastic. done okay one girl was like oh if you try to do this it might work so we were giving tips to each other and stuff it was yeah. it was a beautiful experience that is fantastic to hear that you you know had united people to yeah. you know obviously celebrate it by the sounds of it and that is exactly what you were doing you were embracing the new life with your new stoma and sharing the love in the room you know and it isn't something that everybody you can meet along a day you know will relate to so that's fab so it sounds like you had the support uh, with your fellow you know ward mates we'll call it how about the staff in the hospital you know was it the stoma care nurse there providing support and education did you feel you got enough you know guidance um and you know did that make you feel quite competent quite quickly well, yeah, they, they were good, but obviously because it happened during the coronavirus time, mm -hmm. um, it was all very rushed. Okay. So we were all kind of, we all had to leave the hospital kind of as soon as we possibly could. So if I'm being genuinely honest, I feel like I wasn't fully prepared when I left. Mm -hmm. I don't have one bag change myself okay. um, when I left. And I wasn't even fully sure of what I had done to change it. So... Okay. Like, see you later and um, so I yeah g going home was probably more traumatic than 
the surgery itself because I was leaving this little family of people who we had become so close and we'd got a bond and we were helping each other so much and mm. it felt like I was going home with a newborn baby I was like mm. hmm, never done really- this before uh-huh yeah. understandably and you're you know kind of wider friends and family I know you moved did you move in with your grand directly post-op then when you left hospital yeah so yeah, because I attend hospital in Dublin, but I live in the Midlands. So my granny lives in Kildare. So anytime I've ha- I've had surgery over the past 10 years, I always stay in my granny's because she likes having someone to look after and make a fuss mm. of So it was lovely. That is special in itself. And yeah. how could you open up to your granny? Could she, you know, kind of help you out in any ways? Or how did you, you know, kind of get support from herself? Oh, she was brilliant. She was very, very good. She was brilliant. Um, I do remember, though, the the first day a nurse came around after I was home about three or four days mm-hmm. and I had to change the bag and granny was in the room and I swear she may as well have had a magnifying glass. She got that close. I was like, will you get your head out of here? Um, but she had a good outlook, so she was delighted with that. Oh, there you are. No, it's really special to know that you could have her hands on and, you know, granny doing her work at, at your beckoning call if needs be. So that is fantastic to hear. And, you know, in the home environment, did you get given you know much support in the home as you say from visitors or support nurses or couldn't uh. it again because it really happened at the worst time so because of covid um i the nurse was only able to call it once so i've actually in the four months since i've got it i've only only seen a professional three times okay okay so yeah. that is daunting and do you feel that you have the support from, you know, even on the phone or do you have yeah. contact oh, yeah. that you can Yeah, on WhatsApp, like I was able to send pictures being like, I'm worried about this. Is this OK? And send WhatsApp pictures and they get back straight away and be like, that's perfect. That's not. Maybe you need some powder. Maybe you need to do this. So, no, in regards to technology wise absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal and um, the nurses have been so that's great yeah. good to hear and how long did it take for you to feel that you've mastered the day-to-day management because it sounds like you do and you have your new bag routine and um, did it take a bit of time yeah it did like I suppose when I when I talk about it now it sounds like it was all rosy and it was great like there were days where it was really tough and I mm-hmm. was really really upset and going I fed her the exact same stuff I fed her yesterday why is she acting like this or when she was noisier because the settling in period I suppose is so long um but now she behaves 90% of the time but yeah it took me my energy levels were quite low I'd say it took me around about the 12 weeks to finally be able to go okay I've got this Fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah, I love the way you refer to it as she and it's Paloma. So Paloma, what was the reason that you've called her Paloma? But I it goes, it has a ring to it. Because I wanted I wanted it to like rhyme. So it was either <laughs> gonna be Stoma Steve or Paloma the Stoma. Because that's something I did research. I researched what names to give my stoma. <laughs> However, I did not research living with one. Um, so I put it out to public vote to my friends and they didn't like some Stoma Steve. So she is Paloma. Paloma, I do love it. Yeah, it's got a nice little ring to it now. So happy days. Paloma the Stoma. And with work and 
and your support just getting back into the work day-to-day basis um how do you find being back behind the mic you know hosting your own radio show how's life are you managing well yeah being back on air has been wonderful because um on throughout my journey for the kind of 12 weeks that I was recovering I was very vocal about you know my journey and how I was getting on and everything on Facebook and a lot of my listeners would be friends with me on Facebook so I got a huge amount of support throughout the time I was off and then when I came back like the love and support and messages that I got from people was just it was overwhelming it was phenomenal so it's great to be able to go in and you know chat about celebrity gossip and play music and do what I love doing best and making a connection with people Mm -hmm. and so that's been great and the fact that I get to work the second half of my day from home because I'm music director for the station as well is good because it means if I do need to change Paloma in emergency or need to do anything I'm at home so I'm a bit more comfortable so that's it's been really really good that way good adaptation well done oh I'm delighted to hear so it's all quite positive so yeah well done you Michaela mm-hmm. <laughs> you had mentioned Michaela that you know that you didn't really reach out to anybody then you know prior to your surgery but what about now what's that sort of support and are you involved in the community now yeah so I started kind of tweeting about it after I had the surgery and kind of came home to granny's because there was things I just wanted answers to that I knew people would know and it wasn't worth asking the nurse or it was out yeah. of bed and stuff so the Twitter community uh, the IBD community on Twitter has just blown my mind they are the most supportive people I think I've ever come across and then on Facebook like the amount of people who reached out to me privately uh, from my posts being like oh my dad went through this or oh you know I have an IBD I'm considering having this surgery or I'm on the waiting list for it it's just it's been a whole world of love and support and teamwork and just you know people building each other up that I just didn't expect to find and I'm so glad I did. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. That's lovely. And, you know, was the soma surgery, was it what you expected? You know, what was it better? Was it worse? Was it what you it thought was, it would be? Okay. Um, I didn't research what a stoma looked like. So that was not what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a shock to the system, that one, isn't it? Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Um, but no, I actually, I had thought the surgery was going to be bigger but it was mine was done um keyhole so the stitches and the healing and everything the incision places are really really small so it's it's been great recovery was it was grand but it was at a time where like nobody could do anything anyway so I wasn't missing out on anything it was kind of like everyone in Ireland was going through a recovery period with me so it kind of made it a bit easier too it was yeah. certainly a time to do it, Michaela, wasn't it really? Like, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. my goodness, it's it's hard enough without all of that added into the equation, definitely. But what what about life now? You know, how how is life? How has life changed? 
Um, it's I'm still very much, you know, with my 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 baby feet and learning all about it. So I was very apprehensive and anxious about going back to work because I just didn't know if I would have the energy levels because my energy is still we're still getting there with with the energy levels. And um, so I've slowed down slightly in regards to, you know, what I would do like I wouldn't you know, I'm quite a lazy person anyway, to be honest with you. <laughs> so like, wouldn't have plans for like a Saturday and a Sunday, like, you know, I'd I'd have to do day. But sometimes I'm wondering if I just use Paloma as an excuse to have a do day because I like them very much. <laughs> yeah, it's it's grand. I'm still I'm still learning I have to go. I'm going for my first meal out on Saturday with my friends. And uh-huh. um, so I'm a bit nervous about that because, yeah, you know, it's like, a huge so. thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember feeling like I would never, ever go out to eat again, that nobody would ever see me eat again. <laughs> you know, which looking back is ridiculous, but, you know, I, I totally get that anxiety. So, but do you know what? You'll be great. It'll, you'll take it all in your stride. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's nerve wracking. And I think sometimes the apprehension is actually worse than the event itself. Um, because work, I was very anxious about that. And I haven't had any issues, like, in regards to it behaving and work, because at the start, she was very noisy. And obviously, you know, my job involves speaking to people. So I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do if this starts piping up in the middle of my show? Like, what am I going to do? Um, but thankfully, she has remained quiet so far. So. She's behaving. She's behaving herself. Yeah. <laughs> and what about now? You know, what are your plans going forward? What What does the next six months look like for you? Well, I have, um, I've got commissioned by the BAI, which is the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. So they're like the head of everything that goes out on TV and radio to do a documentary called IBDNI. So it's a three part documentary and it will go out on iRadio because that's who I wanted to make it for. Um, But it will be stored in the radio archive forever. So wow. Uh, it's it's a it's a really cool and it's a really big deal to get funding like that because it's very hard to get um mm-hmm. for it to be approved to get it so I'm kind of excited my aim with that is to educate younger people and have people learn along with me you know some of the yeah. obstacles that may appear with an IBD but how we can overcome them and how we can get by it and just get people talking about IBDs that's that's kind of my main goal I want people to realize that as I said earlier we do all go to the toilet like we should yeah. you know we should be able to talk about it mm-hmm. men do it all the time when they don't <laughs> have IBD, so, you know. yeah I have an I have a nine-year-old boy Michaela so I absolutely get that because yeah it's all that sort of talk in my house 100% congratulations no Michaela that's wonderful getting that funding is something else it's really a celebration and how you can show your support you know to those with IBD out there and as you say you found the community you're so surprised about and it's been a really you know pleasurable experience you're very thankful for so doing a documentary like that is really just you know kind of the cherry on top as well so congrats and the best of luck with that exciting absolutely Mm -hmm. so looking forward to seeing it going to um ask you a question now Michaela that we ask everybody it's sort of the, the question that we tend to wrap up on 
um, all of our podcasts. So the question is, if you had a time machine uh, and you could go back in time, knowing what you know now, I know you're still, you know, you know, you're, you're still fresh, no. starting your journey, so <laughs> to speak, you know, you're still at the beginning of your journey. But what piece of advice would you go back in a time machine and give yourself? I know the answer to this straight away because I've said it to so many people. Um, I concentrated on the surgery because I think the the thoughts of having a surgery that is so big in a way was all I could think about. I was fixated on it and I didn't really research life with the stoma. So I would absolutely say to, to research that. But, you know, within certain boundaries because you know you can you can research something and over research and you know start finding all these negatives that aren't necessarily true mm-hmm. so you know it's it's going into it with an open mind and you know being aware that yeah there there may be some negatives to it but there are so many positives and maybe chatting to other people who have a stoma because it's from that that I've learned so much about having one myself. So I would definitely like reach out to the community long before I I had the surgery. Absolutely. Lovely. Really well done. Yeah. And I think that means a lot. And you're very lucky to have those patients in the room with you because as you say, that has really helped your journey, you know. Yeah. And there for each other. Well done. you that is a lovely story do you know from where you started with your 10 years of kind of suffering or more uh your five years you know from diagnosis and today with your stoma paloma um so yeah that's a lovely look forward to hear all the documentaries and thank you so much for chatting away and telling us all about her oh thank you so much for having me it was it's my first time really speaking about my ivd journey and i don't think i could have picked two lovelier people to have the chat with oh <laughs> thank you well That's thank very you. nice yeah, oh, we no, it's been, been lovely speaking to you oh yeah. thank you so thank you once again michaela for sharing her story you can find out more about michaela by going to her twitter page with at Michaela K Hayes. So that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A-K Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S. That wraps up another episode Behind the Pouch. So we hope you're enjoying the podcast and please do continue to support our endeavours by subscribing or letting us know what you think by getting in touch via hello at abiggerlife.com or giving us a little rating or review. Remember, there's loads more advice and shared ostomy experiences on abiggerlife.com too. Thank you again for listening and join us again soon for some more Behind the Pouch.